You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. All right, all right. Good morning, Highland. How are we doing? Okay, that, <laughs> it's 8.40. I get it. A little more energy. How are we doing this morning? There we go. Praise God. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, my name is Billy Miller, and I am so thankful uh, to be with all of you this morning. I- I've said this before, Highland, Highland's home for me. <laughs> uh, and so, as a matter of fact, this fall, I would have been a member here for uh, six years, uh, and I am so thankful. There's so much that's uh, good that's come from being a part of this body um, in that time. Uh, a little bit more about me. So I actually currently serve, I have the privilege and the honor of serving uh, as the men's director for Waco K-Life. I I serve alongside uh, my dear friend Christy Sugg, who's our women's director. Um, So love that ministry and love uh, what it is that we get to do. Um, And this morning, uh, we're wrapping up uh, our our series on foundations, right? So for the last 10 weeks, so I'm week number 10, uh, we've been talking about the foundations. So foundations of our faith. And, and before we move on, actually, can we have a hand for all those fellows that have already gone uh, the last 10 weeks? it is, it's no easy task to do what they've done, and, and they've, they've done it an amazing job. Um, actually, I think uh, the only thing that <laughs> probably sets me apart from those guys is I, I think I'm the only one who actually is bigger than John Durham. Um, <laughs> uh, and I can say that because he's not in the country, and so um, we're, we're all good there. Uh, so this morning, I want to talk about uh, the foundation of God's love, right? So the foundation of God's love. And when I think about God's love, I understand that in Scripture, uh, in 2 Timothy, Scripture tells us that we are given, so God gives us the spirit of power, of love, and of self-control, right? So this spirit of God already dwells in us as believers, the spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. And I I wanted to talk about this because uh, in today's world, we Man, we see love everywhere, right? You know, I love, I love Magnolia Table, right? I, <laughs> zero shame. My budget's way too high there. Um, and, uh, you, know, we love, you know, we love going to the movies. We love all these different things. And so, as a matter of fact, um, we see it in places like uh, poetry, right? So, uh, perhaps really famously, uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson once said, uh, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Perhaps uh, more profoundly, and recently, Tony Stark said, I love you 3,000. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and so we see this and we're met with love. We're inundated with this all through our life. And so um, this morning, uh, when we walk through our text, I want to make sure that we understand what kind of love that we're talking about, the nature of God's love, and then what this means for us as we live it out. And so uh, this morning, the kind of love we'll be talking about is, is agape, Right? So agape love, the Greek word that's going to be used in our text today is agape. And so agape love uh, typically refers to love that it's unconditional, right? it's sacrificial, and it's selfless. Uh, often uh, agape love is associated with uh, God's love for humanity and, and humanity's love for God. Agape love is a love that, that we experience and that we express, right? We love because he first loved us, right? So this is the kind of love that we're going to be talking about today. And so as we walk through this text, we'll, we'll understand better the nature of God's love and then what that means for us and, and how we live uh, in light of that. Uh, and so uh, I, I may have said this before, but I have a little bit of an old soul uh, when it comes to, to music. And there's a song as I was preparing for this. 
uh, God help me, uh, it uh, uh, was released by Tina Turner in the, in the early 80s. Um, and very famously, she says what? What's love got to do with it? <laughs> uh, so I thought you were know, church folk. Uh, and so <laughs> what's love got to do with it? And so this is a question that's going to be sitting here, okay, in the back of our mind uh, this morning. And so with that, let's get to our text. So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Philemon. Uh, if you need help finding that, it's, it's, if it's like my Bible, it's on the backside of Titus, <laughs> um, and it's right before Hebrews. Uh, yes, church, there's a book uh, called, called Philemon. Uh, and this morning, we're going we're gonna to stay here for, for most of the morning. We're going to take a big chunk um, of this book, the first 21 verses, uh, and this is staying faithful to the text. And so let's read. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. Paul says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and, and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I, then, as Paul, an, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. You see, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. And I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. And I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. You see, he's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And if he's done you any wrong or if he owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, and I'll pay it back, but not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord and refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your, of your obedience, I, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. This is the book of Philemon, and, and, and it's actually my, my favorite book in, in Scripture. Um, and a couple notes about Philemon. It was written roughly around 55 to, to 60 AD. It's actually Paul's shortest letter um, in the Greek. And uh, in this time, Paul, he's, he's old. He said it, not me. He said it. He falls old. Uh, and he's imprisoned uh, again. Uh, and most scholars agree that he was, either, he was imprisoned either in Rome or Ephesus. You know, there's some debate there. But in one of those, those places. And what Paul is doing is he's writing a letter to Philemon. Okay, this is a letter addressed to Philemon, and Philemon is uh, one of Paul's adopted sons, right? Much like Timothy, we tend to be more familiar with like the Timothys of the world. Much like that, Philemon has, has become an adopted son of Christ, excuse me, of Paul. 
uh, and of Christ, because he's a believer. And so, uh, and what Paul does here is that he's writing, I need you to hear this, what he's writing to Philemon is a love letter. Uh, not the, you know, check yes or no kind, um, but he's writing a love letter on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon. Now, now who's Onesimus, right? So Onesimus is someone who has been adopted also, right, into Paul's life. He has been adopted as a son of Paul. Paul now is a spiritual father to both Philemon and to Onesimus. He's the one that brought them both to Christ. And, and why this is important is because what you have to understand is Onesimus is Philemon's runaway slave. And so you can imagine the dinner table. Uh, Paul's talking to, to Philemon and, 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 you know, son, I love you and I care about you a whole lot. And uh, by the way, uh, I'm bringing a new baby home, man. You got a new brother. Oh, and it's your runaway slave. You think there's drama at your dinner table? <laughs> uh, and, and so what Paul is doing is that he has set love as the foundation for this letter to Philemon. And what he wants Philemon to do, he wants Philemon to receive Onesimus as, an, as not as an obligation, but, but with a spirit of, of love, right? This is how he wants, to, he wants Philemon. He says, son, I, I'm writing on behalf, and I need you to receive him, not as an obligation, but, but from a place uh, of love. And remember, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, uh, let all that you do be done in love, which brings me to, to my first point this morning, it's this, that love has no loopholes. For my attorneys in the room. <laughs> love has no loopholes. See, the thing about love is that you can't dress it up in political clothes. You can't dress it up in racial or ethnic clothes. You can't, you can't dress it up in socioeconomic clothes. The thing about love is that you can't dress it up like that. It never looks as good. And see, the thing about love is that you can't predicate it on geographic location either. Where you are in the world, what color the skin is, how they speak, right? You can't base it there. What side of Waco they live on? Uh, watch your toes this morning, okay? Um, what church they go to, what, what denominations. See, love has no loopholes. This, this agape love, this love of God that we experience and that we to express to others, it has no no loopholes. And, and what will happen is, see, God, uh, God is, <laughs> he is a good father. And so he will bring people and situations into your life to see if you're real about loving. I, I got to tell you today, right, it's, it's really easy, man I, man. I love you. I love you. I tell, I, I disciple a lot of guys, and every time I tell them, man, I love you. And, and it's true. It's due. I do. It's just this agape love. But that, that word is thrown around a whole lot. And what God will do is he will bring people and situations into your life to say, are you real? about loving, right? Can you, can you love people that, that may never love you back? That can't get you up the corporate ladder, right? That can't get you on in this new neighborhood. Can you love people that, that may never love you back? And, and can you love people that you don't even like, <laughs> right? So, so here's, the, yeah, that's right. See, with love, it's not just predicated on the people that, that, that you like. Um, maybe it's, it's that family member that, that one that we all have. Maybe, maybe it's, the, it's the coworker, right? Doesn't replace the, the staples. Um, I, you know, maybe it's, it's the friend that comes and eats all your cereal. And here's the thing, they didn't even ask you if you, they could be in your house. And somehow your cereal's gone. The ones that, that you don't even like, 
right? And, and I tell you this because, you see, uh, a love that is predicated on like is a love that's predicated on feelings. See, like is it's based on feelings. And feelings, church, are fickle. They'll change up on you, right? So it can't, it can't be that. I'll, I'll illustrate it this way. Uh, when I was in high school, my freshman year, I, I had a coach um, who, during football season, uh, before every warm-up, right, before every warm-up and back when I could still touch my toes and, and things like that, um, he would say, every, every time, he would say this, he would yell out, and he would say, today is a great day to be a yellow jacket. Remember the yellow jacket? Today is a great day to be a yellow jacket. Uh, and, and on this team, you don't have to like everybody, but you better love everybody. And here's the thing, I don't even know if my coach was a believer. I still don't to this day. But what he was saying was something that should be etched in us as believers. That, man, I don't have to like everybody, but I better love everybody. Can I tell you all a secret? We're all family here. Uh, my, <laughs> my friends don't always like me. Uh, uh, I can tell you, this is the truth, right? Like, my friends don't always like me uh, because I, I can get moody, right? I, I, I'm not wearing that as a badge of honor. It's a fact of life. It's June 30th, 2019. I get moody, right? And so what happens is um, I get moody and I shut down and I'm like, you know, I don't want, you know, me and, 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 and my iPod, we're going to go in the room. I don't want to talk to anybody, right? I get moody. My friends don't even always like me, but I'll tell you this. I know that they love me. See, I know my friends are down for me like four flat tires, Right, right? So when, when the time comes, I know, oh, you didn't like me yesterday, but I know you love me right now. Right? And this is the kind of love that we have to, man, this is the kind of love that we have to live. And so I would tell you this morning simply this. God, he commands us to love in such a way that we look past our predisposed biases and instead see the other as created in the image and the likeness of the creator. And you say, Billy, this is hard. Like, this is hard. Like, I don't, I don't I, how do I do this? And you're right. It is hard. It ain't nothing easy about loving people this way. But what you do is you wake up every morning. You wake up every morning. You get out the bed, right? And you say, I will greet this day with love in my heart. From when I wake up to when I go to bed, I will greet this day with love in my heart. And what happens is if you do that every day, one day at a time, one day at a time, turns into a lifetime. And let's be people who love for a lifetime. Love has no loopholes. My second point this morning is this, is that love intercedes. Okay, so we'll look at verses 8 through 10 back here in the text. And Paul writes, he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in change. So remember that the purpose of this letter for Paul, it was to intercede on Onesimus' behalf, right? What, what Paul is doing, Paul is using his position, right, in the lives of these two. He's using his position to speak to Onesimus' master in a way that Onesimus can't. And you say, well, why is that? Well, because you got to understand what's, what's at stake. You see, Onesimus, he was a runaway slave. And, and based off text later, um, it, it's insinuated that, that perhaps he, he, may have, he may have took something on the way out. <laughs> right. He, he was a runaway slave. And, and the thief, and what you have to see is that Onesimus, if he had gone back to Philemon without the letter, 
he would have been executed. And so the only thing standing between Onesimus and death was Paul's letter. It's the only thing. And so the thing is, is with love as Christians, this love that we again experience and that we express as Christians, the spirit of God's love within us should move our hearts to intercede on the behalf of others. The only thing standing between Onesimus and death was Paul's letter. My love's going to intercede there. I'll tell you about my own life. Uh, again, we're all family here. Uh, about two years ago, um, from March 2016 uh, to, to March 2017, so one calendar year, um, arguably the, the most difficult year of, of my life. Uh, and believe me, my life has been no crystal stair, and that, that was one of the hardest years of my life. I will tell you, in that one calendar year, I lost, they passed, I lost uh, a teammate who was a part of my recruiting class from my college football team. I lost a grandmother. I lost my only grandfather. And I lost my dad. In one calendar year. At the age of 23, I experienced so much loss. And... And what I can tell you, church, I, there is no way for me to describe to you the amount of layers of emotions and life that took place during that time. It was a dark time. And I was already in the faith, but I, I can tell you, I'm going to be real with you, is that it's not that I stopped believing in God. I, I just wasn't as convinced anymore that he was still brighter than the darkness. See, I had missed what the psalmist wrote when he said, even the dark is as light to him. And the thing that I am most thankful for during that time, you want to know how love intercedes, it looks like prayer. It looks like showing up. And I will tell you, my, my closest friends, they, they came and, and, oh, did they cover me. You see, my closest friends recognized that during that time of my life, I, I couldn't think straight. I, I couldn't talk straight. It wasn't, it wasn't the same me, right? That, that darkness was starting to inch in. And they said, Billy, we've got you that we will pray to God. I, we know that you don't know how right now. I can't tell, I couldn't formulate the words, the proper words to speak to my God. And they said, we'll, we'll pray for you. And it's that kind of love. Oh, that's the kind of love that intercedes. Let us be a people who intercede for others. It changed my life forever. I've never been the same. It changed my life forever. Which leads me to my next point, and it's this, that love transforms we look at verses 11 through 13, and Paul writes, he says, Formerly he, Onesimus, was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. And so what we have to see here is that, see, formerly Onesimus, he was useless, right? Paul says this, he says, to you finally, and formerly he was useless, but now he's useful. And something, and it'll probably denote this in your text, Onesimus' name actually means useful. And so Paul wants to make sure he works on this. He says, I know what you thought about him then, but Philemon, let me tell you who he is now. Right? This is what love does. It's, it's a transforming love that Onesimus has experienced. And Paul recognizes that the man who came and met him in that place in chains is no longer the man that he's writing about now. And so he wants Philemon to understand that there has been a transformation. And the reason why he wants to communicate this to Philemon is so you got to understand that Paul recognizes that there's this human tendency. And this human tendency is that people will hold you hostage to how they met you. 
They will. They, they won't give you a chance. It doesn't matter if you came to Jesus or not. Like, <laughs> how I met you is how I will always know you. And, and what Paul wants to say is that, no, he's experienced something new, Philemon. Onesimus, he's, he's, now, he's now a son. He's now my very heart. And so what you got to understand is that when we experience God's love and when we walk in obedience because of this love, there's a transformation that takes place. There is. There's a chance whenever we experience this and then when we walk in obedience because of this love, there's a transformation that takes place. And what will happen is people will say, you're not the same. Like, like you, you're not the same that you were five years ago when we used to, and, and, and you're not the same from a year ago when we used to, and what your response should be every time is just praise God. Praise God that I'm not who I was then. Praise God that I'm not there. You're not coming into Sunday mornings hungover. Praise God that that's not who I am. See, God's love has the power to transform us in ways that, 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 nothing, else, that nothing else can. And, and I will tell you as a, as a word of wisdom this morning, church, um, who you were and who you are cannot coexist. Something has to give. I think perhaps the Reverend, Reverend Billy Graham said it best and most distinctly. He says, the cross doesn't suggest, it demands a new life in all of us. There's a transformation that takes place. And so what we see today in this world is that uh, people will say, well, God, he, he loves me, uh, and so he, he'll meet me where I'm at. A loving God wouldn't ask me to change. Oh, sweet child of mine. <laughs> See, God, he meets me where I'm at, to which I would say, yes. Oh, does he meet us where we're at? But, but would you allow me to, to add a little more to that? See, what I would say to you this morning is that God loves us enough to meet us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. Oh, man, he loves, he loves me enough to meet me in the dirt. Oh, but he loves me too much to leave me there. And I don't know about you, but I thank God that he didn't leave me where he found me. I praise him. God, you didn't leave me there. Oh, but you met me there. And so uh, perhaps a way that, that I can illustrate this um, for you this morning in a very real way. Um, so fun fact about me, uh, I love to cook. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I say I love doing it. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you go to my Netflix history, <laughs> the majority of it is uh, crime documentaries and cooking shows. No joke, I, I let you log in now. Uh, true story, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, the, the season premiere of MasterChef uh, came on, and, and I was watching it, and about three quarters of the way through, uh, I, I realized I was crying. <laughs> uh, and and, and I, lo I looked at my friend Matthew, and, and I was like, bro, this episode has me crying. He's like, I know it does. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, right? I mean, it was a, it was a single mother. She got, she got the scallops just right. Gordon Ramsay didn't yell at her. It was a beautiful thing. Um, and, and so what, what I read, I digress. And so what happened is, um, what I've learned in, in watching this and in cooking my own self, self that there's something uh, about cake that teaches me about the transforming love uh, of God. You see, um, whether you uh, make you know, the, the batter from scratch or you buy the Betty Crocker you know, off the HEB shelf uh, and you take it home, uh, the cake, before a cake can be made, what? Cake batter has to be made. Right Before a cake is made, cake batter has to be made. And here's the thing. No one buys the cake batter just for the sake of the cake batter. Right? And you say, well, Billy, I love licking the bowl. Me too, same, I'm with you. But, but that's not why we bought it, right? So we made the cake batter so that a cake could be made. And, and the thing about this is that um, in the same way God, he, he says, I, I know where you are right now. 
But see, you, you weren't ever really meant to stay there. He says, what I, I'm trying to love you so that you just not cake batter your whole life. <laughs> I'm trying to love you to something bigger, to something greater. I'm trying to love you to myself. And so here's the thing about cake, um, for those in the know, uh, is that a cake is not really finished until what? Uh, until it's cooked all the way through, right? It has to be cooked all the way through for the cake to be done. And so this is whenever you put uh, the, the, the toothpick there in the middle. And, and so why is it that you put the toothpick there in the middle and you kind of check it? Well, it's because of this, is that while the cake may look ready on the outside, what matters is what's going on on the inside. And so what God says is that right on the outside, we can go to church, we can do the Bible studies, right? We can disciple them kids. But what matters is what's going on on the inside, See, there's a transformation that has to take place. And the thing about cake <laughs> is that there's two basic things for it to go from batter to cake. It takes heat and it takes time. And can I tell you something? We don't like either one of those. See, because it's a process. Love is a process and it changes us one day at a time. And, and, and we, just, we just don't have time. <laughs> and then the problem with heat is that a lot of times heat comes in looking like truth. Oh, man, we don't like when it gets hot. But see, God comes and he says, he says I, I don't just want to love you, not, not just in, in, in words, but in actions and in truth. He wants to make us into something better. He wants to make us look like him. My last point for you this morning is this. Love is an abolitionist. And so we'll look here in verses 14 through 16. And Paul writes, he says, but... I don't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but, but better than a slave as a dear brother. See, he's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. I, I like actually how the King James renders this. And it says, perhaps he left you for a season that you might have him back forever. Not, just, not as a slave, but as better as a slave, as a dear as a dear brother. See, Onesimus is now, he is no longer, right, a slave. He is a brother. He is the very heart of Paul. He's, he's a believer. He is in, in Christ. And so God's love, what I want to tell you this is that God love, it, 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 God's love, it sets us free. It sets us free. And where I want to show you this is here in Psalm. You don't have to turn there. It'll be behind me. So Psalm 102, verses 18 through 20, the psalmist writes, he says, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. That's you. That's me. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven, he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. That's you. That's me. Oh, how he broke the chains. This is what God's love does, is that it moves us, and it's an abolitionist. It says, you're not a slave. You're not a slave anymore. Christian, you are no longer a slave to sin or your past or things of this world. You have been set free. And here's the thing. It's you have been set free. Not that you will be, but that you are free. This is the power of God's love. It's an abolitionist. And so this morning, as, as I was thinking about this letter, and we go to verses 18 and 19, and, and Paul, being a spiritual father, he gets to say this. He says, you know, if he's done anything, if Onesimus, if he's done anything, if he's taken anything, charge it to my account. But not to mention, Philemon, you owe me your very self. <laughs> Paul gets to be dad for a little bit. Right? And so what happens is, as I consider this, and I consider what we've just talked through this morning, love has no loopholes. Love intercedes. Love transforms. Love is an abolitionist. And I thought about this, and I said, wait a minute. This is Jesus. 
This is Jesus. When man got himself into a mess that he couldn't get out of, that he couldn't run away from, God wrote a love letter. You see, the wages of sin is death. And like Onesimus, the only thing standing between us and death was a love letter. Jesus is God's love letter. See, it's Jesus' love that has no loophole. Scripture tells us that God demonstrates his love in this way, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and in the garden, with blood and sweat dripping down his face, Jesus says, it's not my will, but thine be done. Jesus' love has no loopholes. And, and Jesus, he's the one who intercedes on our behalf. He is the intercessor. He is the mediator. He gets to speak to the master on our behalf. Man, because he dwells in us. Jesus is love. It intercedes. It's Jesus who transforms us. You see, for those who are in Christ Jesus, we're a new creation. The old, the old is gone and the new has come. And don't miss this church. Jesus doesn't change us from bad to good. It's from dead to alive. This is Jesus' love. It transforms. And then lastly, this, Jesus is the abolitionist. See, Jesus, he's broken the chains once and for all. He conquered the grave and says, now you get to live free in eternity with me. Jesus is the abolitionist. And so we become, we go from slaves to sons and daughters. From slaves to his very heart. Jesus is the abolitionist. Don't get it twisted. It wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. It was the love. He could have called down 100,000 angels at any moment. But he said, I'm going to hang there. I'm going to take God's wrath. Why? Because I love them this much. And he said, it's finished. Don't get it twisted. It was the love that kept him there. And where we saw loss, he saw salvation. And where we saw fear, he saw freedom. And when the Roman soldier, when he, when he pierced his side, when he opened the letter, it was grace, it was love, it was mercy that came pouring out. Oh, it was love, beloved. It's the last thing, and, and I'll be through this morning, okay? Paul, he, he writes another letter, um, and, and he writes uh, another letter to the Corinthians where he talks about love, and so most of us are familiar with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Most of us get that. Love is patient, love is kind, you know, it bears all things. Like, we're there, I'm with you, like, we get that. But what we often forget is the ending of chapter 12, <laughs> and that first part of chapter 13, before we get into the love, you know, bears all things. And so this morning, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen behind me. I want us to start there as, as, as we finish up. And, and Paul, he, he writes, and at the end of 12, he says this, and now I will show you the most excellent way. I will show you the most excellent way. And then he starts and the love, and, and he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but not love, I gain nothing. Paul says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And it's this love. It's this love of God. 
And he says, without this, I am nothing, I gain nothing. Without this love, I am nothing, I gain nothing. And what I wanna tell you this morning, church, is this, and I, you need to get this, I want us to get this down in our souls. It's, it's simply this, is that God's love is not some esoteric and abstract what. It's a personal who. God's love is a personal who. Paul says, without love I gain nothing. Without love I am nothing. Church, with, without Jesus, oh, we gain nothing. Without Jesus, we are nothing. We've been talking about foundations for the last, for the last 10 weeks, and, and, and now, as we've talked about, about God's love, the question, it resurfaces, and it begs to be answered. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. Will you stand so we can pray? Most gracious and heavenly Father, God, we, we come before you this morning and, and Lord, we know that you meet us in this place. Father, we know that you are present here this morning, God, and oh, we just rejoice in that. Father, we're thankful for your love that, that knows no bounds, that has no loopholes, that intercedes on our behalf, Lord, that changes us from the inside out, that has set us free. Lord, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who said, that debt, charge it to my account. Father, we, we recognize that without you, without your son, without your love, God, coming in, into our lives, blowing it up, God, that we, that we gain nothing, that we are nothing. And so, Lord, as we, as we leave this place, can we walk in that love, forever changed, we are not who we were, but Lord, we are exactly who you tell us we are. So Father, we, we come humbly before you and we praise your name. And we are thankful for those mercies that are new each and every morning. And so Father, we love you. Oh, and, and we know that you love us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.